0: Hello, and thank you for joining us on K-County Conversations, where we meet with community leaders and different members of nonprofit organizations and small businesses in Kosciuszko County to learn a little bit more about what it's like to be part of our community. My name is Alexandria Sanchez, and I'm a managing partner at Clear Vision Media, a content creation company and digital media agency in Winona Lake, Indiana. I co-host this podcast with Tom Westerhoff the owner and writer for Hooch and Nosh, a website and blog featuring things to do, places to eat, and places to stay in Kosciuszko County. Today is a special episode because we are going to be talking with the executive directors of three different organizations, Joe's Kids, Casa of Kosciuszko County, and Baker Youth Club, three very well-known and well-established nonprofit organizations operating in our county and focusing on youth. We will be providing different resources to connect with these organizations and to also get involved in different ways. We hope you enjoy this episode and you learn a little bit more about some of the great organizations doing wonderful things in our county.
1: Thank you to all of you yeah, for agreeing for, to be on this and just, take time out of your Saturday mornings. Yeah,
0: really? especially when we have such gorgeous weather right now. Yeah, like, I'm really excited about <laughs> Yeah, so um, Rebecca, we'll go ahead and we'll start with you. So maybe just um, introduce yourself and um, talk a little bit about your role at um, Joe's
2: Kids. Absolutely. Thank you. And I just appreciate this opportunity. So my name is Rebecca Bazzoni, and I am the founder and executive director of Joe's Kids. We have been in existence since about 2014. uh, So we're a relatively young organization. Um, I am a physical therapist by training, worked uh, with Indiana First Steps, which is an early intervention program, and uh, saw a need for a pediatric therapy center in our community. Um, Children beyond the age of three were being seen in our school systems for an academic model of care, uh, but really didn't have anywhere locally to get help. Um, So we offer physical, occupational, and speech therapy for children with special needs or developmental delays. Our mission is to help each child reach their full potential and uh, to support and encourage their parents along the way. Um, this is a service that is paid for by Medicaid and commercial insurance, but reimbursements are poor, so we operated a deficit of about $25 per child per therapy session. Because of this loss, there aren't a lot of us doing this in Northern Indiana, and before we opened up. Children were, families were traveling up to an hour each way to access care outside of our county. And uh, there's a greater need and not enough people doing it. So they were put on waiting lists as long as nine and 12 months, which is very valuable time um, for a young child. And they were missing an opportunity in their development. So um, our vision is really that we be able to serve every child without delay in a 30-mile radius of Warsaw. We've made great gains because of the support we've had in our community, and we've brought that average waitlist time from the day of referral to the day they're first treated at Joe's Kids down to 37 days. Which, compared to nine to 12 months, we're pretty we're pretty proud of that.
1: Aaron, I know your time at Casa has been limited, but do you want to. I know you have a history with the organization, so you want to tell us a little bit about that.
3: Sure. Thank you. I'm Erin Roland Jones. I have just for a very short time been the executive director uh, at CASA of Kosciuszko County. Prior to that, I was a practicing attorney for over 14 years, and I practiced primarily in the areas of family law, and I did a lot of work within the child in need of services area. Um, I was led to want to work uh, at CASA, just not feeling terribly fulfilled um, not feeling like I was always making a difference. And so I had a moment in my life a couple of years ago where I thought, goodness gracious, if I was gone tomorrow, would I feel like I've made a difference in the world and in my community? And the answer was no. So when this opportunity came um, to apply and for the executive director position of CASA, I jumped on that. Um, CASA is in its 29th year. Um, 2021 will be our 30th year. Uh, And what we do is train citizen volunteers to become CASA advocates, and CASA stands for Court Appointed Special Advocate. And so that is a trained citizen who's appointed by a judge to represent the best interests of a child in court. And these children are typically children that have been abused or neglected, often removed from their homes due to the abuse and neglect, So our CASA volunteers provide the judge with a carefully researched background of the child, of the situation, to assist the court in making a sound decision about that child's future. Um, The CASA is involved and stays in that case until the case is permanently resolved. So that could be a matter of months, but typically it's a, a timeline of a year or two years that that CASA is advocating for that child. The CASA will talk to the child, parents, family members, social workers, school officials, health providers, and others that are knowledgeable about the child and what services they and the family are getting. Um, They'll review records pertaining to the child. Um, And I tell people in a synopsis what CASA does and what these volunteers that we train and support do is they're are the eyes and ears for the judge for children that have been typically removed from their parents care due to abuse and neglect but not only that they are the voice of the child they are looking at that situation through the child's eyes and just looking at what is best for that child so that does not get missed during um, you know all the time that that case may be in court Um, the beauty of CASAs is there's value not only in their investigation and the information that they provide and the recommendations they provide to court, but I see the value in CASA as also just being a consistent for that child through a very traumatic and unstable time in their lives. Our CASA volunteers meet with the child at least monthly, if not more, and they develop a really good relationship with that child. And so oftentimes I see that that CASA volunteer may be the only consistent person in that child's life for a number of years. Um, They're a positive influence. They love that child and the child usually loves them. So, you know, not only are our CASAs um, assisting the courts in helping to see what's best for the child, but they are also somewhat of a mentor and a positive influence, just their presence during that traumatic time in the child's life. Um, CASA is a nonprofit agency, so we get all our funding through grants and fundraising. Um, so, uh, you know, certainly the support of the community has been terribly important for us and, and a blessing.
4: Tracy Furnival, I'm the executive director of Baker Youth Club. Um, I'll be starting my 18th year here in October. Um, so, Been here a little while, also was a former board member back in the early 90s, middle 90s. Um, And also was a former uh, club member as a young child growing up. So uh, a little bit of history in our organization. Uh, I think other than maybe the Red Cross, and I'm not sure, I'm not 100% sure, but I think Baker Youth Club might be the oldest not-for-profit organization in our county. Uh, We started in 1926. Uh, so you know we're barreling in on a hundred years here in a few years, which will be an exciting time for our organization. Uh, so that's exciting. But you know, back in the day when when the uh, club started and when I was even attending, it was just kind of a safe place for guys to get together. It was actually called Baker Boys Club. Uh, Coach Litchimalter, our second director, would swear up and down that we never kicked a girl out. They just never came because they were too scared. I think. Uh, <laughs> So it was just called the Boys Club, and uh, it was a place where guys got together and played basketball, shot pool, played some games. Um, and in that time, we have really evolved. Even when I started, it was, it was more of a after-school program uh, where guys would come. And, and uh, well, when I started, it was guys and boys at the time. They changed their name uh, in the early 90s to Baker Youth Club. Um, and really making a focus on allowing girls in the facility and made that strong push. And today we're probably 60, 40 boys to girls, but um, it's just been a, a really neat uh, to see the growth of our organization. When I started, we had a $90,000 budget. Today we're 500,000. Uh, we saw maybe 40 kids uh, a night. and If we did, that was a booming night to today. Countywide, we see well over 300, probably close to 350 kids daily. Um, with the focus of providing that safe place for kids to be in that after-school time till 5.30, 6 o'clock. All the statistics show, Aaron could probably uh, testify to this, that most of all your juvenile delinquency is done from that 3 to 5.30 when the parents are still at work and the kids are out running the streets or doing whatever they do in that time frame. So that was always the main reason why BYC existed, was just to be that safe place for kids. And that is still the, the topic or the main goal, but we've really changed our focus the last 10 years to really focus on education, health, and social skill building. So we have certified teachers, former retired certified teachers or paraprofessionals that come in and help students with their homework. We do specialized reading programs for kindergarten through third graders. Every child gets a juice or snack as soon as they walk in the door. Uh, we serve dinners. Uh, we have all different kinds of STEM activities, art activities, of an extra game room, which is interactive physical fitness equipment, uh, and then just hours upon hours of physical activity. And then the third component of that is the social skill building, uh, which is being done every second, every minute, every day of the week, um, just by the interaction of kids with kids and our staff. So uh, we've really just seen a huge significant growth in our programming, the structure of it. We have included now a, a before school program, we're in year two of that. Uh, again, really focusing on working families, um, providing a place where parents can drop their kids off before or after school and know they're safe and know we'll get them to school and know they're being taken care of. So um, that's been a huge boost in our numbers. Uh, we also did add an all day summer program. Um, again, really with the emphasis on working families. So you know, almost 96 years, 95 years where we're at, and we're still growing, still learning on what's available and what options and what we can do to better serve the kids in our community. Ultimately, all three of these organizations are here for one thing, and that's to serve kids. What can we do to help kids in any situation they're in and be there for them and be there for their families? So uh, super excited about the future and the direction of Baker Youth Club.
0: Thanks so much, Tracy, Aaron, and Rebecca for those introductions. It's um, really great to meet you. And Tracy, I love that you hit on, um, you know, while it might look different between the three of you, the biggest common um, commonality that you all share is being a resource center and a resource connector for youth, which um, especially in times like these that are changing and constantly evolving as we're all singing, seeing for every age group, but especially looking at the youth landscape um, and what it's going to look like for kids from all different backgrounds to get resources, what school looks like for them, what after school activities look like for them in kind of these crazy times. And we don't want to make it pandemic focused. But what what are the biggest changes that you've seen maybe in the last um, six months or um, even a little bit farther, and maybe some of the challenges or changes that you foresee as um, we have kind of had to navigate a virtual landscape and um, things in person being a lot different.
2: Well, there's no question <laughs> we're 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 living in a different world right now. And um, for Joe's kids, we faced the immediate challenge. We we had to shut down for a month because our payers did not pay for the virtual therapy for physical and occupational therapy. That changed in the course of a month's time and our therapists ha- had to learn how to provide uh, therapy through a screen uh, with, for children with special needs and attention issues is a challenge. Uh, but we saw, we saw something good in that and we pivoted and we made that happen. And, and it really took parents being involved um, and, and the therapy every minute of it and learning how to to be the hands uh, we have been able to transition to on-site services now um, but we face that constant challenge of, of making sure that's a safe environment socially distancing uh, sanitizing everything a child touches um, and making sure that we're keeping Joe's kids safe for them um, it we've seen definitely decreased uh, Uh, therapy visits and total a little more uh, cancellations for every little cough, uh, (laughs) fever, and and the things that could be red flags for COVID. Uh, So it's created a little bit of a financial challenge for us as well.
0: Thank you, Rebecca. And Erin, would you like to speak on some of the challenges and changes that you're seeing with CASA of Kosciuszko County?
2: Um, For
3: us, kind of moving forward in a virtual world as we are right now, it's really difficult for us to have eyes on children as it is for other entities as well so you know a significant amount of abuse and neglect reports seem to come from the school setting whether that's teachers educational personnel um, as well as counselors and doctors so right now with everything being virtual and kids maybe not being seen in places um, it's concerning for us that maybe neglect or abuse is not being reported as much And we worry for the families in general. It's a time of a lot of stress and maybe some um, economic uncertainties. And so we're always concerned and a challenge being, do people know what's going on in the home and are these families and children getting services if people may not know that there's those struggles going on? You know, another challenge for us have been our volunteers who see the children they advocate for at least monthly we had to tell them not to do that for a while. And boy, they wanted to no matter what. So we had to say, you can't, you have to do it virtually for a time period. And then it's really hard when you try to social distance with a two, three, four, (laughs) five-year-old that just wants to run up and hug their CASA volunteer. So that in general has been somewhat of a challenge for us. Um, We also, of course, need those CASA volunteers to keep the program going. And it's hard to do that um, in this time. We're not seeing quite as many volunteers. We have another spring t- training coming up in September. That training is going to be virtual, but as always, we're in need of community support with volunteers um, so that we can keep having a CASA advocate for each one of these children. So that I think in this time period has been somewhat of a challenge too. Everybody is home. They're not sure, you know, what th- the future may look like, what time they're gonna have available. So we do need people to volunteer and, and need the support of the community to keep going. But, um, you know, the courts never closed throughout the pandemics. So these children and their court cases and these families' cases continue to be heard through the court, and we continue to do our work whether or not there are shutdowns. So um, that has been a challenge. Uh, and I think, as always, just making sure we have volunteers and people having eyes on these vulnerable kids has been a challenge and is certainly important.
4: Yeah, I think um, ours are almost in line with, I think we all are seeing very similar challenges. And I think the biggest frustration for me uh, as the director was when we had to shut down on March 13th, I think it was the day when like the whole world came to a screeching halt. Um, um, And then to wake up the next Monday and and come into the facility and not have kids. Um, That was tough. And as Aaron, you know, these kids, are coming here for many different reasons, but mostly they're coming here because this is their safe haven. Um, this is their safe place, and their homes may not be, whether it's abuse or no food or drug abuse or whatever that situation is. We have now left those kids in that environment, um, and that was the biggest challenge. You know, I, I operate on. I don't. I don't worry about money. I don't worry about anything other than providing. Do what we do, and that's be here for kids. And so to me, that was a very difficult time. Um, uh, very excited when we were able to open up June 1 for our summer camp. We went 10 weeks of a summer camp, and we had no problems, not on wood. Uh, everything went great, other than our numbers were down. And we, and we understood that. Um, there's still a lot of uncertainty out there, and people just are nervous to maybe send their kids or to get out, and we understand that. Um, but to at least have the doors open and provide that uh, was awesome but it also comes with okay now we're going to do this and how do we do it safe like Rebecca mentioned you got to clean everything my gosh um, you know it's crazy we clean more than we interact with kids right now and (laughs) it stinks Um, but you, you have to do that stuff so the challenge of not being here for your kids and now excited to have them but the challenge of making sure you're providing that safe environment because you don't want to be that organization that has a breakout with with the virus or something like that so you work your tail off to make sure you're keeping kids apart you gotta i'm staffing four to six more staff than i need to at about $5,000 $5,000 a school year per staff. Do the math on that, it's not cheap. And then all your chemicals, it's not cheap. Your sprayers, they're not cheap. I got six hand sanitizers throughout the building. I mean, it just all adds up. So you go from the concern of safety to now, I try not to worry about money, but you know, I like to get paid every other week. And so I always take a look at that checking account and make sure things are good, um, but it's tough. Um, I know Aaron said earlier, we are very blessed and fortunate to live in the community we live in. Uh, we're, we are strictly an independent organization. We get United Way funding, uh, about 15% of our budget United Way, the rest of it's fundraisers, local grants. Uh, we do not do any state um, government grants. Uh, we are strictly local funds. And um, so we rely heavily on the community and we're getting ready to rely heavily next Thursday with our virtual event. and. Um, Um, those are important times for us to be able to provide the extra staffing, provide the chemicals, and do everything we need to do to keep our kids safe because that's ultimately the goal. So, yeah, challenge was not being here for the kids, challenge of reopening and making sure we're safe, the challenge of just continuing to get the funding to come in to do what we do uh, and provide for the kids.
1: Tracy, you mentioned funding. That's one of the the many issues along with staffing, paying for supplies that we're facing during these times. What can the community, all three of your nonprofits are focused on children. What can the parents, relatives, siblings, uncles, aunts, friends of these children do to help you now? Because I know we haven't been able to have a lot of fundraising events because of the social distancing rules, because I know some of you are switching to virtual events. We know the impact probably won't be the same. Uh, I know at cost, we've had to cancel some of our summer events. How do, maybe we'll start with Rebecca. How, what can the community do to help you when those normal avenues aren't present?
2: Um, that's a great question. And it's always hard to say our greatest need is money. Um, and it is. And um, there, there are a couple of things. We we have a child sponsorship program, so um, that that's basically regular monthly giving to cover the cost of therapy for a child. That twenty five dollar deficit that we operate at, um, and so so that's huge. That ensures that our services stay available even in the hardest of times, in a way that doesn't break the bank. Um, it's it's a small donation each month. Um, we also are faced with that challenge with keeping everything clean and supplies sometimes running short so if people want a tangible donation to help out boy we love hand sanitizer bleach and rubbing alcohol and uh, latex gloves these days Uh, so that's an easy way to contribute and if i can just build on something aaron said earlier i'm certainly not um she's, she's probably better to speak on this but you know, when the school's closed again, um, there there were less eyes on our kids. Um, when we were operating in a virtual atmosphere, our case manager was not going into homes to do those initial, initial home visits, um, and, and and we don't have eyes everywhere we did. Um, and so, you know, we don't know what will happen in the coming months if we'll need to revert to virtual. Um, you know virtual setting again entirely but just being good neighbors keeping an eye on your neighbor seeing if they need help you know we have some kids who can't come into the clinic yet because of their medical needs and they live in the country where there's just this spot they don't get wi-fi and so now they're without help and um these parents are are, can be overwhelmed so just just loving your neighbor um and looking out for those around you
1: that's a, that's a great point being a good neighbor and, uh, and loving your neighbor, keeping an eye out for your neighbor. I know that Casa volunteers you know they're, they're in a situation like you said where they're having to do virtual visits. you know how can the community help Casa? You know we know fundraising is an issue, yeah. but what can I guess what can the na- what can the community's neighbors do to to help Casa?
3: Well, again, as you said, outside of of money donations, we are a nonprofit as well. We're lucky that we get some support from the county. Our offices are held in the Justice Building, um, which is great because we have to go to court for these kids and things like that. But outside of the financial aspect, we always have a need for volunteers. That's the heart and soul of our program are those CASA volunteers. And so, um, you know, abuse and neglect does not stop during a pandemic. The court does not stop. We had 22 children removed from their homes for abuse or neglect in the month of July. And that is the most we've ever had removed and assigned a CASA advocate in one month. So again, things don't stop. Um, The stresses that the families are under don't stop just because other things have. We need volunteers so all of the abused and neglected children have a CASA advocate. Um, We do have a training starting in September So if any of your listeners are interested in becoming a volunteer or discussing what it takes to become a volunteer, they can always go to our Facebook page or our website, which is www.CasaChildren.com or call us at 574-372-2401. Our advocates, as I said, they're the heart and soul of the program. They are the ones that have the eyes on these kids and that relationship that's so important. And I'll be honest with you. They meet with the foster parents. They meet with the biological parents. They really fill a need, I think, just to help foster some of those relationships and things moving forward. So, volunteers, we'd love to have you advocate for a child. And these children love their CASA volunteers. It's very fulfilling work.
1: Tracy, I know you mentioned that EYC is one of the oldest nonprofits in the county. You even with the popularity and uh, of club you probably still face some issues even as popular as it is can you address some of those and what the community can do to help you in those
4: yeah um, I, I want to revert back just to my comment when I said I never worry about money that doesn't mean we don't need money <laughs> we always need monetary donations uh, relying heavily on the local community only is very important for us so um i try to focus on what we do and hopefully if you do what you do well the money will come in that's kind of what i was getting at but um yeah i you know rebecca said the hardest thing to do is ask and say yeah our biggest need is money well that is it um, but there's also many other needs uh, from especially today from all the chemicals and cleaning supplies that we need uh, you know we serve meals every night so to maybe drop off of couple boxes of chicken nuggets or chicken patties or spaghetti or whatever to help us provide a meal for that night for those kids because many of these kids um other than the school lunch uh, that may be the only meal they're getting and so for us to be able to provide that provide that dinner is crucial um, typically volunteers are, are are crucial to our programming because we're not you know we staff we're about one staff per 17 18 kids so we're not a one-on-one or one-on-two program but to have extra volunteers come in to maybe latch on to those handful of kids that need that uh, extra attention um, is vital. Uh, Unfortunately, you know, in today's world, we're not allowing outside volunteers in it's staff and members only. So hopefully we can get to that point um, when that happens again. But uh, I I think the biggest thing, you know, it's hard for me because one, I've been involved in the organization, you know, since the seventies as a member and now as a director, uh, I forget that our community has changed greatly. We've become very regional with our orthopedic places. And some, many of the people have no idea about Baker, no idea about Joe Kids, no idea about Casa, uh, or they hear of it and, you know, they don't know the depth of what we do. So I think, I don't know if it's a need if it's a need that I need to fill, where I need to do a better job of uh, communicating with our community on the depth of the programming that BYC offers. So if there is a parent, a a CASA parent or a CASA volunteer who has a kids, or uh, Rebecca may have a family that needs some before or after school care, that they know that they can get that here. So uh, I think the need is to just continue to spread the word of the depth of our programming and what we can offer and work together with other organizations.
0: Absolutely. Um, I think that right now, going back to you know being a good neighbor, looking out for each other, and kind of finding ways to um, be connectors throughout our community is really important, especially when we do have so many great resources. Um, I think that kind of the last thing we wanted to offer for um, the three of you is just to give you an opportunity, and and I think all three of you have kind of spoken a little bit on this, but. Maybe plug in some of the best ways to connect with your organization or some things to be um, looking out for on the horizon, whether it is a virtual event or um, any kind of community spaces that you will be providing so people can learn more. Um, And that way we can kind of help spread the word and um, get the word out about what you all are doing and doing so well in Kosciuszko County for our youth.
2: Yes, so we do have um, a virtual event this year. Um, We've always had a dinner tailgate and auction in the fall that we've relied heavily on. And uh, just to keep things safe, it's gonna be virtual this year. Um, Information will be available on both our our webpage, www.joes-kids.org, as well as our Facebook page uh, in in terms of how to register and um, to be involved in that event how to tune in the night of September 19th um, and get to hear one of our stories. We're going to be uh, sharing the story of Phoenix sailor um, and, and how, you know, what Joe's kids has meant to their family um, and, and kind of what, what these times have meant for Joe's kids. Um, We also have information on the child sponsorship program available on our website. So thank you.
3: Yeah. I just want to also thank Tracy and um, Rebecca We don't work in a vacuum. Um, A lot of our kids are Baker's kids, possibly. They may be getting services at Joe's Kids. I think we all, um, you know, our CASAs are aware of the services available. So um, for us to be able to partner with one another, and I think our community service providers do a really good job of that. But so I want to thank Tracy and Rebecca for the jobs they do. You know, our, our kids need their services as well. The kids that we look for. Um, A major part of our funding comes from our um, holiday festival that's November 13th. Uh, It's always held November. It's a great gala, a huge event. Unfortunately, this year it will be virtual, but we are really excited. Uh, We've got a really interesting virtual event planned uh, that's in the works on November 13th. We are going to bring the gala to you, to your home. So we have some interesting ways we're going to do that. Um, we are going to be putting more and more information about that out on our Facebook page and our website, again, www.casachildren.com. And as I said earlier, we always need volunteers. So we do have a training coming up in September. So anyone that's interested can certainly reach out to us there. Um, But, you know, we have an amazing caring community and great organizations um, like Tracy's and Rebecca's, and I just want to thank them and the community for their support. Whether it's monitor monetarily helping us or volunteering, you know, I don't think any of us could do the jobs we do and support the vulnerable populations we do without the support of each other and the community. So, thank you.
4: Yeah, for Baker, um, we uh, we're kind of like uh, Rebecca and Casa. We we have we each have our own big events, and uh, I feel bad because we're kind of creeping into Rebecca's and and Aaron's events here. Ours is supposed to be in March. We rescheduled for May and uh, that, of course, I knew it wasn't gonna work, but I did it anyways. And um, and here we are in August and uh, we're we're gonna pull it off virtually next Thursday. Uh, If you're a friend of our Facebook page, um, you should be seeing a lot of stuff going out. We just started a major push starting yesterday. Uh, Some of the videos are really cheesy because they're done by me. but that's the best we can do, but we are—we do have a company that's been uh, going to be kind of taking over this week, so we're super excited, so you'll start to see a lot of information out there about that. Um, it's an auction. Uh, we, we also have a testimony. Uh, Austin Rittenauer is a former BYC member, a kid that I remember kicking out. I can't tell you how many times I kicked this young kid out. Um, he had anger pressure, uh, anger issues and came from a really dysfunctional home and um, today, he's married with a child and is a police officer in the Elwood area. You talk about a success story. This is Austin Rittenhouse. Uh, so I cannot wait uh, for the community to chime in next Thursday at 7.30 on our Facebook page. And here is his story. Uh, we also have Kyle Dukes. Sheriff Dukes is going to be speaking about BYC. We have uh, head coach, uh, football coach, Park Curtis will be there. Um, Dr. Hofford, our superintendent, uh, and his wife, Dr. Hoffert. Um, as our board president, um, they'll be chiming in on the importance of our relationship with the school system. So we think we've got a really cool evening plan. It's going to be like an hour TV show where speakers and auction, and and try to raise money because that event typically nets around eighty-five, ninety thousand dollars for us. Crucial uh, to our budget. Um, and Tom, I think said it earlier. We know these virtual events are important, but they don't bring in. You don't get that in person um vibe uh, virtually of course so uh we're a little nervous how it's going to go but we're excited to be able to try to pull it off and um, all of our information can be found on our facebook page and our website which is www.bakeryouthclub.com or simple phone call to uh, 267-8771 and we can answer any questions but uh aaron said it and i know rebecca said it we can't do what we do without the community support and we're blessed to live in such a great community and uh, Uh, We just, uh, times are tough for everybody, and maybe this isn't the right time for you, maybe for your business or as an individual, and we get that. And I think, fortunately, enough enough of our local uh, foundations have some special COVID money that I think is out there and available that I know we've all been chomping at the bit and writing those grants to get. but if it's $25, $50, $100, whatever it is, um, it all adds up and goes to great causes. So, um, whether it's us, Joe's Kids, or CASA, thank you and continue to support our local not for profits.
1: We, in turn, appreciate what all three of you are doing for the community and the, and the kids, especially during these trying times. Rebecca, Aaron, Tracy, thank you so much for taking time out of your mornings on this beautiful day to. Uh, spend time talking to us and discussing your organizations and uh, we look forward to seeing you know what you guys have in store for us in the future.
0: Tom and I just really want this to be a resource. It's really fun for us to get to sit and have these conversations with members of our community and like you said we don't operate in a vacuum and a lot of things do overlap and there are so many areas where we can partner and help each other. So we just we really hope that this can be another resource in your toolkit to kind of share your story and allow others to connect with your organization in, you know, a virtual way and, and, and audible, an audible way. So um, thanks again so much. And I think we look forward to being part of these virtual events and finding ways to connect with your organizations, respectively. Thanks,
1: everyone. Thank, Thank you. you. We want to thank
0: you for joining us on another episode of K-County Conversations. A big thanks to Tracy, Rebecca, and Erin for speaking on behalf of their organizations and talking about some of the great initiatives going on for youth in Kosciuszko County. Another big thanks to Tom Westerhoff, the co-host of this podcast. We hope you learned a little bit. You check out some of the resources we provide in the podcast notes, and you stay tuned for more episodes of K-County Conversations. Thank you. Thank you.